Hi, I'm Tom Woods, and you're listening to the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to the show that gets Christians thinking about faith and politics. Get ready to challenge the statist quo, expand your imagination, and tackle controversy head on. Let's stand together at the intersection of faith and freedom. It's time for the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. I'm Doug Stewart, your host, and I have a treat for you because if you are a podcast junkie, you may or may not have heard of the Godarchy podcast, which is hosted by Mike Meharry. Sometimes Mike does solo episodes, sometimes he does interviews, and I am going to share with you an interview he did very recently with our own Dr. Norman Horn about Christianity and libertarianism. What you'll get out of this episode is you'll hear their stories, how they became libertarian, some of the struggles, some of the questions that they had about, you know, like, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? And it's just a very conversational episode. And that's sort of the tenor and tone that Mike often takes in Godarchy. So uh, if you haven't listened to the Godarchy podcast, here's a preview of it by one of the episodes of our very own Dr. Norman Horn. Enjoy. All right, Norman Horn. Thanks for being on the Godarchy podcast. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here, Mike. It's a real honor. Well, you know, I've been meaning to do this for a long time, and and uh, <laughs> my <laughs> my scheduling process tends to be, what can I do this week? You know, or, what's going on this week? And then I like run across something, and then I'll forget what I was going anyway. Yeah, um, I, well, I know how you feel. <laughs> That's so, me in business all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm gonna, you know, interestingly, you're one of the very first people that I had contact with as I was beginning my evolutionary walk into libertarianism. I don't even, really? do you even remember that? I like vaguely. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. It was, I want to say it was like probably 2010 or 2011, somewhere in that ballpark. And, uh, we were doing the uh, nullify now events for the 10th amendment center. Right. We yeah. did, we did nullify now in Austin. Uh-huh. And I'd only been with the organization, I'd say probably for, it was certainly less than a year at that point. And, uh, Is that right? Yeah. Wow. And, and I was really still kind of, well, not kind of, I was still pretty solid in my neocon phase. Like I thought I was a libertarian because I believed in, quote, limited government, but I really had no idea about the philosophy or anything in depth. You know, I, I had some, I think I had some good instincts, but I wasn't anywhere near there. So we're in Austin. It was the first night I'd flown in like, I got in like early afternoon and Bolden says, oh, we're going to go to an anti-war protest. <laughs> and I was like, we're going to do what? <laughs> but, so, yeah, and I was, you know, the, the anti-war thing was really the last thing to let go of. So I was probably three or four years away from that. And uh, so we went out there and, and I don't know if you had organized it, but you were certainly out there with, uh, with a group of people it was during the Iraq stuff and people yeah. were holding signs. I don't remember where it was, but it was somewhere close to down, it might've been close to campus. Well, it, it was, in fact, it was, uh, if I recall right, that was, so the Libertarian Longhorns was, uh, was one of my groups at the time, bless their souls with so many great kids. And, uh, and so many of them have gone on to do really cool things. Um, yeah. I, it, it would take an hour to explain uh, many of the stories behind them, but a lot of great kids there. And, and that we were on the, uh, the West side of campus on Guadalupe street walking down with, and, and we were at the corner. I, I want to say with it around 28th street. Now that's really, really specific, but I remember that well because we did do a lot of we did a lot of sign waving, yeah. a lot of talking with people. We handed out a number of uh, of cards uh, and flyers about both Libertarian Longhorns and Nullify Now, 
I mean, it was it was a great time. And then I think we did we eventually go down to the Capitol building. I can't remember that part. That was, it was we we <laughs> might have. So for my part, like I said, I was really uncomfortable. Like, but it was kind of in my back of my head. It's like it's kind of cool these people are doing that, but I don't know if I want to be associated with this or not. You know, <laughs> but I've got there's a lot of pictures because I hid behind my camera. Oh, so somewhere okay, there okay. there are quite a few pictures of that. Uh, of the signs and whatnot. But. There's probably a number, well, there probably were on the Libertarian Longhorns page. It's not quite activated anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so well. the other funny part about that is, is on the way over, we picked up Scott Horton. That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> imagine me still pretty much neocon in the backseat with Scott Horton. Uh-huh. And oh, he, yeah. he was going off on one of the tirades that, that anybody who knows Scott at all has, has experienced. You've, you've experienced him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you've experienced him a little bit like when he does interviews, but you've mm-hmm. never experienced it until you've actually sat there with him because it's uncensored. And uh, <laughs> I just remember him. Just, I don't even remember what he was going on and on about, but at, at some point he just went, F the state! <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting in the back seat going, what in the world have I gotten myself into with these nutty people? So anyway, I thought that would be a fun to, fun to reminisce. That's good memory. Yeah, for sure. Why don't you, we start off and, and just let's, let's kind of start and set the stage. If you can just kind of give us a little bit of your spiritual background first, and then we'll kind of dovetail that into how you got into libertarian philosophy. Uh, that's a good idea. So I, I really grew up in the church, was a a member of the Church of Christ from basically birth. Uh, And in fact, where we were in Austin at the time, we were a stone's throw away from the church that I grew up in. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was was born in Austin and went to University Avenue Church of Christ, which is right on the university campus Mm -hmm. and across the street from the American History Museum, uh, which incidentally was when the the American History Museum was where one of the very first Ron Paul for President fundraisers was held in 2008. Oh, really? That's cool. Uh, Yep, I was a volunteer there as well. And uh, that was really cool. Way back in the day, right? But at any rate, uh, grew up in that church and, and really in Churches of Christ all my life. I, you know, I've always been uh, one to be, you know, a big fan of going to weekly services. And I love the Churches of Christ and its history. Uh, I didn't even know how deeply that would affect me back then. But it's, it's really an important part of my own heritage spiritually and really philosophically as well, mm-hmm. uh, since there is some really interesting background in uh, the kind of anti-state ideas through the apocalyptic worldview that the Churches of Christ have had historically. Even though that's not as present in present-day Churches of Christ, the vestiges are still there. The effects are still felt. Right. But, you know, I, I would say that, that, that was, it, was such a, it was such an important thing to be part of that heritage from the beginning, um, because it gave me, I would say, a, a kind of a, an unusual perspective on church life itself, because the churches of Christ don't really identify with standard evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. And therefore, even though I was, I grew up in kind of the Christian conservative, it's a very conservative theologically, right. you know, denomination, but it doesn't have the same connectivity to the politics of mm-hmm. evangelicalism. And so even though we were, you know, political conservatives at the time, that was not as relevant to us. And in fact, one of the things that would be particularly relevant there is the aversion that my parents had to public schooling. Oh, yeah. And so as a kid, I never grew up or I never attended a public school. I was in a private Christian school for some time. And then eventually we started homeschooling when we moved to Missouri. Mm -hmm. Now, that was a, a really seminal moment. And all that's to lead up to kind of this mentality 
because that was where I would say that I really began to intellectually find my place. Right. Because you, it's it's very difficult, I would say, to find your intellectual place in the public school system unless you have extraordinarily good situation in front of you. Yeah. And of course, that doesn't negate the fact that even if you do develop well, you could still have some vestiges of well, what might be amounted to is essentially ideological activation mm-hmm. towards the state. Right. And uh, and so that was never really present within me. But what homeschooling did was kind of allowed me to see, through, pierce through the veil in a very early way. Uh, when I was in college, you know, I went, I attended uh, University of Missouri Rolla, uh, which is now Missouri University of Science and Technology, mm-hmm. uh, as an engineering student and began to you know, not only be exposed to many, many more ideas that I hadn't necessarily experienced, you know, concretely, I also began to see a number of other things that that were in the liberty tradition too. The big moment there, and I think would be, which would be kind of relevant to the spiritual side was when I got involved with the girl who was eventually I'd marry and her father gave me articles from the Mises Institute. And, uh, and that, you know, <laughs> that kind of sent me off on this spiraling, like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this before, even though my father-in-law is not really a libertarian per se, very economically so, but not not fully. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, we're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's important when you're married to his daughter. That that's yeah. And oh, and, and he's a tremendous man. So yeah. no, no, uh, no bones about it. Uh, but nonetheless, it, that really sent me off on the journey toward understanding the the nature of libertarianism. Mm-hmm. But of course, at the time, you know, the, on the spiritual side of things, it was still kind of unusual for someone to kind of identify in, in as a libertarian and as a Christian very publicly. Yeah. And that was actually the big sticking point for me. I mean, I was the, I was the kind of kid who, even though I was inoculated against the state, you know, as a as a homeschool student and whatnot, that didn't mean that I was. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, inoculated against militarism. Sure. Uh, of course, I was a college student. It was a freshman in college uh, when 9-11 hit, and that, you know, was a big, that had a big effect. And so a lot of us watched, you know, I mean, obviously everybody did right. you know, at the time as, uh, as the towers fell and, and things went crazy and the, the war machine started running. Um, so in 2004 and 2005, uh, when I was kind of beginning this journey away from this stuff, that being, you know, political conservatism and militarism and mm-hmm. things. I mean, that was a that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And eventually, you know, I would say that the the number one thing that was holding me back from kind of understand, like, kind of real, realizing the reality of it was was my faith, and and in particular the social aspect. Mm-hmm. That being that if I if I were to turn away from this idea of political conservatism, what effect would that have? on my relationship with people in the church. Yeah. And so that was that was non-trivial. And in fact, I would say that was a major motivation in starting libertarianchristians.com in 2008. Yeah. Was to try and and elucidate what that journey was like and then try to at least give people a shot at their own journey that direction. That's really cool. You know, I that resonates with a lot of things that I've experienced. I, I also, so I grew up in the, well, I grew up as an Episcopalian, but oh, really? okay. yes, up until, up until my senior year of high school. And then I had a, a kind of born again moment as, uh, as they like to call it in the Baptist church. And, <laughs> uh, and then was pretty much involved in Southern Baptist churches for, for the most part up until about 2000, 
2000, 2001, when I decided I was going to be an atheist for a while, which I was the world's worst atheist. But, <laughs> um, I, I gave it a shot. But yeah, you know, that, that I got the whole dose of the, the interweaving of political conservatism and evangelical Christianity. So it was, yeah. my faith was very much tied up with my political worldview, even though I didn't really recognize the fact that there were a lot of things that were totally incongruous. But, um, I, you know, I'll say even today, I struggle with where is my place in the body of Christ because you, there's just so few people that think like I do, you know. And I, I'm in a great church, and and uh, the pastor is is not particularly political. But but still, I mean, he doesn't get most of what <laughs> I'm talking about. So it's like, sure. it's uh, yeah, sometimes it's a kind of a lonely island for those of us who who— because I think a lot of people that that are Christians and in the liberty movement, they seem to be detached from a church family. I, I don't know if that's just me generalizing from my circle of friends or not, but it, it seems to be pretty prevalent. What, what do you think about that? It's a it's a really interesting point. I do believe there was more of dare I call them Christian libertarians or libertarian Christians out there than we kind of know. I do believe in you know kind of the the remnant. Right. Uh, that the Lord always preserves for himself, you know, the, that subset. And uh, and that's not to say that those who are not are not part of the faith. Right. Not by any means. No, I understand exactly uh, what but, you're saying. But there's still like, I mean, you even see this in the writings of C.S. Lewis, where when sometimes he describes, you know, that if you, he, he has this phrase, and I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this tremendously, but he, or he, he says in, uh, I want to I say it's mere Christianity, where you know that feeling when you walk down the street and you encounter someone and you just know that they're they're one of you, that they're part of the body. Yeah. Like you just have that intuition. And I kind of feel like that that's, that's what we encounter sometimes here is that it is all of these things are latently within us. All of us have that uh, innate drive to, to liberty. Right. And that's built into us. It's part of our, you know, theological DNA mm -hmm. as Christians. I mean, even beyond the fact that individual liberty is built into every human being on the basis that they're made in the image of God. Right. Beyond that, even there is something extra. I think once you are in, you know, you're in the faith, you're in the walk. Uh, there's something there for no other basis than it was for freedom that Christ has set us free, and that you know, primarily relates, of course, to being set free from sin, right? 100%. But in addition to that, we are free to do something. And that, that involves making choices that is individual liberty driven. And mm -hmm. even when our individual liberty is taken away in the form of persecution, in the form of imprisonment, such as the apostles experience, or I mean, and, and many people around the world still experience, nonetheless, we, uh, like the promise is you have that within you, that your individual liberty is secure yeah. in that respect. So I believe very strongly that that is part of our DNA and we just have to activate it. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's interesting because when when I started Godarchy kicking and screaming because I didn't really want to, like I needed <laughs> something else to do, right? Uh, it really was something that I felt like God was leading me to do for a long time and I kind of fought against it. So when I, when I set up the website and uh, set up the Facebook page, I was amazed at how quickly that Facebook page grew with virtually zero effort on my part. 
yeah. you know, just completely organic. There definitely is a hunger among uh, a group of people for to know that they're not alone in this yearning for freedom. And, and, you know, still today, like my other page, my personal Michael Meharry page, you know, it, it gets very little reach, very little growth. That Godarchy page constantly gets huge reach. And again, I'm just sticking up memes and articles in the podcast <laughs> episodes, you know, I'm not even. Yeah. So, so obviously there is something there that's resonating with a certain group of people. But on yeah. the other hand, I'll, I, I do feel alone a lot, especially, you know, when it comes to being anti-war and, and, and talking about the issues of peace and nonviolence and those kind of things, I, I get a lot of negative feedback on that, you know, and, because we got to kick some booty. <laughs> no, I, I understand. But and here's here's kind of another thing to kind of consider here then. You know, the the problem that we encounter a lot, uh, especially in libertarianchristians.com, now LCI, Libertarian Christian Institute, is that, yes, we we have this DNA toward liberty that I'm that I'm speaking of, but a lot of times we have a lot of conflicting signals that are being sent our way through the world. Right. If you're listening now and not entirely sure, what do I mean by that? Well, just even think about the way in which our culture bombards us with sinful imagery mm-hmm. and temptations in ways, and we know this, like if you're part of the evangelical tradition or part of my tradition, you know, we talk about the way in which right. the way of the world is and that, you know, we, we should keep our minds on things above, not on earthly things and all of this. And part of that is because we know that the culture is inundating us right. with, with contrary signals. Well, in the same way, we are getting sent all sorts of signals from the state, from our supposed rulers or leaders, right? Toward or against uh, the way of God. Yeah. And just in the same way that you and I don't always detect when we are going astray as a result of some type of cultural influence, something we watch on TV or whatever, you know, the standard. <laughs> the standard source of, of complaints and things that we can make about popular culture and whatnot. Right. Sometimes we don't detect them. And I would posit, similarly, we don't detect a lot of the things that are coming at us. So in the same way that it's important that we inoculate ourselves yet again against the, the problems of culture coming at us and remaining pure as best we can, we should educate ourselves and learn how to inoculate ourselves and protect ourselves against the evils that are out there coming out from the state as well. Yeah. And that the way, how do we do that? Mike, that, well, that's a great question. I didn't I'd encourage you to listen more to Godarchy and to Libertarian Christian Institute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's one of the things that's that's so important and just putting out the counter narratives, you know. I did an episode, my last episode, I just did solo chat about voting. And, oh boy. you know, I, I'm not, I'm not as hardcore anti-voting as some, you know, some of the hardcore ANCAPs out there, you know, voting is violence kind of thing. But yeah. I mean, I don't vote because I just think it's a waste of my time, but, um, and people want to get into that, listen to the last episode. I don't want to get into the whole thing about voting, <laughs> but you know, when you put that message out there, people get angry. How could, how oh, yeah. dare you? Actually, I, <laughs> I posted the, uh, the podcast and the, uh, on the LCI group in the Facebook group. And the very first comment was some guy, you seem to be trying to dissuade a certain group of people from exercising their ability to influence the system. And he was, he was yep. heated, you know, and basically oh, yeah. said I was sinning for suggesting that we not <laughs> vote. And yet, and, and, and that makes me mad in, in some ways. It's just like, geez, wake up. But on the other hand, 
like you said, when you look at the what we're seeing in the culture, like I was watching a, a football game yesterday. You know, I love football. That's one of my my vices, I guess. But I was watching an NFL game, and about four times we had the NFL commercial with you know one of uh, it's one of the coaches, a bunch of players about how we have to vote and we can't we can't win if we don't vote. And you know, so we're inundated <laughs> with this from yeah. from from morning to night. And of course we spent how many years, if if you are a product of public schooling, which most of us are, you know, saying the pledge. And as Tom Woods describes, we had the presidents overlooking us from the, from on high <laughs> on the ceiling and, you know, Oh yeah. And uh, all the, the kind of what, once you're kind of red pilled, all, all of it's kind of creepy, but it's normal. Yep. Yep. It's, it's so true. And, and let me uh, kind of recommend a blast from the past too. And I can't remember, you might have been there for this, um, but the, the very first Christians for Liberty conference that we hosted. I was. You were there. So you remember Jason Rinks yes. talked at the uh, American Idols? Uh-huh. I'm sure you can put that in your show notes or something to that effect. But if you just Google Libertarian Christian Institute American Idols, uh, you'll probably find this video of Jason Rink, a mutual friend of ours and a wonderful, wonderful guy, giving this talk about the ways in which the state kind of has its own set of rituals. Mm-hmm. And religious practices that really kind of define it as a religion itself. Yeah. And that's kind of a major message that we at at LCI are really pushing. And this idea that statism is not some sort of neutral to religion. uh, Oh, it's just everybody coming together and, and getting things done. Right. It is a distinct ideology and religion in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to play with that, well, there are some people out there who are, you know, those very radical type Christians who are like, maybe we just shouldn't participate at all. Yeah. And you know what? They've got, a, we've got a point when we say such stuff like that. Right. Right. And I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that's been a, I've, I kind of really sat down probably what four or five years ago and really started to try to integrate my worldview because I think I was like a lot of people. You know, it's kind of an American phenomenon where we encapsulize everything you know we, yep. we segment our lives we have our church life and we have our politics and we have yep. our work lives and our friends and and a lot of times there's not a whole lot of overlap in those things and as, as i started to realize you know particularly my political ideology and my faith i want those things to fit together i want them to be congruent and not incoherent with each other and i've had to struggle with what level of involvement that i want to continue in the world of of politics and you know i think people you can make a strong case that that maybe we should be completely separate from it from from my point of view i've kind of taken a role of i'm just trying to roll it back somewhat yeah (laughs) but i tell people all the time i'm i'm not dogmatic when it comes to things like should you or should you not vote or should you or should you not run for office or or these Mm -hmm. various things but i think we need to consider them yeah, I think you're you're right, and there's a there's a strong tradition in the Christian faith historically about non-participation. Yeah, and uh, in fact, let me recommend a great book that is related to the Churches of Christ that came out recently. It came out this year. I'm finishing it up now. It's by a guy named John Mark Hicks. The book is called Resisting Babel, and it's about one of the forebears, one of the kind of the wouldn't say founders per se because that's not really true, uh, but one of the early luminaries of the Churches of Christ in the 19th century. He passed away in 1917. His name is David Lipscomb. And the book itself, Resisting Babel, is an edited book. John Mark Hicks is the editor. It has a, six essays about basically political theology. 
and the history of that in the Churches of Christ. And Lipscomb was among those who were ve- was very much in the non-participation camp, not quite in the. If you divide those uh, the the kind of radical leaning people in this regard uh, into two camps, you might have kind of the a type that he calls the pilgrims, pilgrim theology versus the strictly what he and again this is just a label that he's using for the purpose of the book, uh, the Christian anarchist. And the primary difference between them in the way that uh, the authors lay out in the book is that on the one hand, the pilgrims tend to look specifically at non-participation as just a, like, we're separate and apart. We're going to do our own thing. Whereas the Christian anarchist is a bit more on the agitation front. Right. Not necessarily violent. Oh, not not necessarily. Never violent. Right. Because that's antithetical to the idea. Yeah. But is much more actively protesting and things like that. And so, like, those kind of polar sides... I think there's a we're, we're approaching I think a, a better sense of of what we can do in our present day, and I think it's in in a large part because of the development of libertarianism. Yeah, in particular, like at the time in the 19th century, it just was not they didn't have a model uh, on which to base this. I mean, they they did the best they could with the with the scripture and and to try and understand like what kind of effect that they could have. Right, and then we see you know later on the development of of groups like you know Dorothy Day. Mm-hmm. Or others, you know, who tried other things, uh, trying to form either communities that were separate or types of groups that would speak out against what they felt were persistent evils of the day, and which would would sometimes even include big businesses as well. Which, you know, I mean, I don't know all the details, but I would tend to be a little more le- not lenient per se, but a little more forgiving, if you will, uh, in understanding what's actually going on there, right. as opposed to the state, which I just don't trust. You know, as far as I can throw it, right. Uh, but nonetheless. Like the, this sort of model, I think, comes to a head now in that like what we're trying to do as Christian libertarians is provide a synthesis of all this, the terrific anti-state, anti-empire theology that we understand from the scripture that warns us against power, that warns us against violence, that encourages us to live peaceably uh, together and voluntarily with a full understanding of capitalism of economics mm-hmm. of uh, of political theory and understanding like because the bible like as my father-in-law it taught me to I, I love this this phrase he says like the bible doesn't teach you to make a cake right okay so in the same way that it's not gonna like you don't look at scripture and go like hmm like uh, okay if like one plus one equals two only if jesus rose from the dead we don't right. do that that's crazy yeah and it doesn't get more advanced it's not like you can look at the bible and decide you're gonna you know derive calculus from it right well similarly you don't get all of political theory just by reading the scripture. Mm-hmm. You don't get all of economics just by reading, you know, Leviticus or something. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. Yes, it's not. That's not what it's meant to do as as a text, and that's okay. It doesn't need to do that. Right. But what it does do is it gives us a lot of wonderful guidelines and understanding of who we are before Christ and what does it mean to live in the kingdom. Right. And and that's where it it, it becomes very clear that when you set up human kingdoms in opposition to the one true king, that being, you know, the, the God, the father, right. And and the son, Jesus and the Holy spirit, like that is our political theology. Right. So how then do we, do we act within it? And going back to the idea of, all right, well, what are we, are we, are we trying to be pilgrims? Are we going to set ourselves fully apart and that's it? Or do we have some form of interaction? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's where I think, you know, groups like the 10th Amendment Center, like where you've been involved in for so long, doing right. great work, 
and uh, and various other things that we can try and, and do and accomplish are still worthwhile. But you do have to pick your battles. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's that's I think the the lesson of so much of what we've been experiencing in libertarianism over the last twenty years is knowing how to pick our battles better. Yeah. And I want people to wrestle with this stuff. That's kind of the Yeah. Personally, I've I've wrestled with pacifism. I've been I've been mm-hmm. wrestling with this for probably 3 or 4 years because I think you can make a good case for absolute pacifism. I can't quite get myself there, you know. I I still think I would probably use violence if somebody was threatening my wife or my children. Oh, yeah. And, and I get you there. <laughs> yeah. So, but but I think I I oftentimes will push that envelope to the extreme mm-hmm. and, and even suggest absolute pacifism because I want people to wrestle with it because I think we just, I think we just have a knee jerk reaction. Well, of course violence is okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and so that's a great thing about, uh, that's one of the things I try to do at Godarchy. I try to hold the mirror up and, and make people wrestle with these things. I think uh, LCI is doing the same kind of thing. It's forcing people to consider these alternate patterns of thought, these alternate ways of acting and interacting with the world that we just don't think about because it's not, you know, it's not the mainstream norm. So before we get too off track, I want to make sure that you have a chance just to talk a little bit about specifically about LCI and and its evolution. I didn't realize that you had started that website in 2008. Oh, yeah. It, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, as, as I mentioned, you know, I, I kind of flip sides uh, to being a libertarian well, really, it was shortly after I got married and I, I started attending graduate school. I moved back to Austin. You know, I grew up in Austin, moved away, and then moved back to Austin to go to grad school. And I uh, was working you know, as a, as a PhD student in chemical engineering there. And uh, in, in it was literally within, I think, the first six months of being married, I remember very distinctly you know, si- sitting on the couch. I was reading a Mises article or something on my, uh, on my laptop and turned to my wife and said, like, I don't have any more good arguments for conservatism over libertarianism. Yeah. I can, I can argue better on this side than the other now. And I think that just means I'm a libertarian now, right? He's like, <laughs> I guess so. Right. Well, okay. Well, okay then let's go. And, uh, so that really set me off on, on a, the quest then to, to begin to understand the, the extent to which Christian theology comported with libertarian ideas. Um, right. because I need, I knew I needed to understand that better. And so I, I actually was able to get involved with the uh, Austin Graduate School of Theology at the time and through my church. And what a blessing to do that because uh, the, the church, because it sponsored the, the grad school of theology, I was able to start taking classes for free. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, and they eventually admitted me as a student. So I was a student. I was a, a double grad student at the time where I was earning the just usually with one class a semester doing, you know, grad work in theology while doing my PhD in chemical engineering. And uh, pretty great time, though. What a, what a tremendous opportunity to learn. Uh, and I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that. Uh, but over time, I, I made it kind of my research uh, in theology as, as kind of my, I don't know, whatever you would call your, my typical research topics where it would be to try to understand whether I was doing a church history paper or uh, or some type of theology paper or exegesis or whatever, I would tend to try and focus on, you know, these aspects of uh, of understanding these kind of interfacial fields, mm-hmm. economics and theology, right. uh, political theory and theology, and trying to understand, you know, from a biblical perspective, the way these things should work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and began discovering more and more writings on the topic uh, and kept reading the books and kept writing papers. So by about, 
you know, in late 2008 and we're approaching the, uh, well, this was at that point we were, you know, uh, we were in the throes of the Ron, Ron Paul campaign, right. but we were of course anticipating the Obama victory over McCain at the time. And, and, uh, and we just like, we knew that what was coming, but at the, at the close of that, it dawned on me. It was like, you know, I got to put my stuff out there. So I'd written so much already that I even won some awards for it. I'd even published some of it at, lourockwell.com mm-hmm. at the time and then and other places uh, was getting some recognition for it and I thought you know it's time to to like start consolidating this right so I, I actually what a lot of people don't know is I actually started the libertarianchristians.com before it was its own domain name I actually had a blogspot blog <laughs> for about a, for a little less than a month I remember I think those. it was uh, before before I got my own domain because I just wanted to like pilot test it and yeah. see what I could do with it because uh, I'd never done anything quite like that before. There were other things that I'd kind of played around with, but nothing to that extent. So I started that, and then shortly thereafter, bought the domain name libertarianchristians.com, in part because, uh, ironically enough, because Christian Libertarian, singular, .com was actually taken oh, at yeah. the time. Yeah, although the guy who was using it didn't really use it. Uh, so eh, and he didn't respond to my request to see if I wanted to, if, he, if I would buy the domain from him. But at any rate, so I, it, that's how <laughs> LCC could have been CLC. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, and thankfully it didn't happen because, uh, uh, because I think LCC sounds a whole lot better. Yeah, it definitely and, does. <laughs> but uh, libertarianchristians.com got started in the late 2008 and it was just me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Although I did get people, you know, asking for, uh, for guest posts, like actually pretty, qu- pretty quick. In fact, the very first guest post uh, that I ever published was from a, a gentleman in in uh, in the United Kingdom in Great Britain, uh, and I, it, ironically enough, I ended up meeting him about five years later. Oh wow, that's so cool! <laughs> that was that was pretty funny. Uh, it, you know, I was actually in London at the time uh, for a conference, and then and then did that. It was really 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 cool to do that. How about that? At any rate, LCC, you know, proceeded on and grew and grew and grew. It got a lot of traction very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was a fairly unique voice. Yeah, I was going to say, nobody else was doing it. Yeah, I mean, you you had these vestiges of, of stuff that was out there. But the problem, and this is the, the problem that I was trying to address, was that historically what we had seen, with some very notable exceptions, I'll put, I, I mean, I, I can name almost all of them at this point. Uh, <laughs> the problem was very much that there was a, there, there's a great cadre of Christian libertarians who are out there mm-hmm. who are extremely well-trained in economics. Yeah. I'd know tons of them. You know, you were talking Bob Murphy, right. Tom Woods, right. Tim Terrell, Jeff Herbner. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, then the list will go on. I mean, David Thoreau. I mean, there's so many good people out there. Larry Reed, right. um, all these great folks who are libertarians and also who are, who are very committed Christians. Mm-hmm. But the problem was that some of these folks don't have as comprehensive a background in biblical theology. Yeah. And that's really my problem, to be honest. Yeah. I and mean, so I'm, and, I'm playing and, big catch up with theology. <laughs> and, and the, the great thing, of course, Mike, is that as Christians, you already have like Bible 101 down, right? It's all about, you know, beefing up, like you, you have the ramp, like anybody can get started in this. Sure. Anybody. And that's, that's the wonderful thing. You know, it's not like you're trying to go out and learn quantum physics here. Right. Like, you're, this is, you know this stuff. Now it's learning history. Mm-hmm. Now it's learning 
the ways in which people have thought about this over time and how they've integrated it, how they talk about it, right. how they act it out. All of these things are, but they're all learnable. Yeah. Everything is there for you. It's all there. But we have all these great ec- economists who are Christians and just who don't necessarily have the comprehensive background in theology. And that was something that was my sort of competitive advantage, if you will. Right. If we were using the, the language of economics. Yeah. The other thing, though, is that a lot of the Christian theologians out there, university professors or ministers and whatnot, these you know, secondhand purveyors of ideas in the Hayekian model, uh, they do not necessarily have the strong background in economics. Right. And political theory. And some of them are awful. <laughs> and some of them are really bad, yeah. right? And so that was the other competitive advantage I had is that I've been studying the Mises, Mises Institute stuff for like, you know, six years at right. that point. And, and, and in fact, I'd, I went to Mises University twice mm-hmm. uh, and I've been to the Austrian Scholars Conferences and I, I was becoming, I was very well versed. And I, I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not even close in the league of, of so many of the, the great economists out there. Right. But I am well versed enough that I can, I can hold my own. And I'm actually being published in economics considerably. Mm-hmm. So that synthesis of understanding theology, economics, and political theory uh, was really what I was wanting to focus on as the the genesis of LCC, and then like let that be the springboard to bigger and bigger things. So fast forward, you know, bringing in people, guest posters, people on the on the volunteer team, you know, just making it happen over time. The growth of social media, uh, which was at that point was really you know picking up. Uh, allowed for it to expand even more, and uh, you know, with Facebook groups and mm-hmm. and pages and all Twitter and all this stuff. So finally, in twenty in twenty fifteen, we incorporated it as a nonprofit mm-hmm. uh, and actually got our five hundred one c three status in under sixty days, which was unheard of That's at the time. That's crazy. Yeah, I use that to kind of demonstrate. I call that the. Uh, it's it's the you might call it the nonprofit apologetic. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't believe God exists, now you should because this should be impossible. Because that does not happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it it definitely was a it's a great thing. And and now you know we're five years in mm-hmm. uh, as a as a nonprofit five hundred one c three, and we're growing you know ever more every year. And and it's a challenge because you know we don't do this full time. Right. My compatriots in the matter. Uh, you know, like our our CEO Doug Stewart. Uh, he's you know he's he's not full time. I'm not full time. None of us are doing this full time. Uh, but we're doing the best we can to just put the word out there to you know create really cool projects that people care about and are going to want to support uh, and do something that you know people can lay their hands on, learn from, and go and spread the word even better. Our mission, of course, is to uh, to equip the church to promote a free society. Yeah. And that's and that that verbiage is important. Yes. Because like we talked about earlier, the ways in which people feel estranged, even as libertarians from their own churches, we look to break that down. We are never, ever going to try and start a denomination and separate ourselves out from the church. Right. That is not part of the mission and it never will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when people ask us, oh, what, you know, do you guys have any churches out there that are, are conform to your views or something like that? You know what? As long as the church is made up of humans, we're all going to be messed up. That's right. Uh, but the least we can do then is, you know, go be messed up together. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so let's do that. Let's, uh, let's you know, spur each other on toward good deeds and to good ideas. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's what we're doing. That's what we do. <laughs> well, and you do it well because I've uh, availed myself to resources on the website for a long time. 
And there's so much good information there. I mean, I think I, I when I was doing my podcast and, and some writing on Romans 13, I actually used your, I think you had like a two-part yep. post. New Testament theology of the state. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and and I used that extensively as, as kind of the bedrock. So there's there's a lot of great, and, and uh, y'all are about to publish a book, right? Yeah, and it's a uh, it's it's very. I wouldn't say it's exactly hush hush because we keep talking about it in well, we keep talking about it in hushed tones, but <laughs> but it's coming out and very very soon. Um, and it, and I'll I'll even tell you, you know, like I think you know you know the title I think, and it's called I Faith do. Seeking Freedom: Libertarian Christian Answers to Tough Questions. It's very much inspired by our friend, our dear friend Mary Ruart's book, Short Answers to Tough Questions. Yeah. Uh, for libertarians, that was written. Oh goodness, it, uh, fifteen and fifteen years ago or so. I I, I don't know. I can't remember. I, I as long as I've been involved, Mary ruart has been there, and yes. <laughs> and she's just a wonderful person. And, and the the format is is basically conversational questions and answers, uh, and it's designed to try and give our Christian brethren uh, a way in which they can learn about liberty. And for those who are uh, who are already Christian libertarians, uh, to beef up their knowledge and become prepared to give a ready answer when the question is asked. Yeah. Well, I've had the privilege of seeing an advanced copy and it is absolutely yeah. fantastic. So yeah. people should be excited about this when it, when it does come out. So, you know, it's good to talk about it in hushed cones because it, it increases the, uh, the anticipation. It's like the, I wouldn't, it would not, it's not on par with the messianic secret, but you know, it's a, (laughs) but it's, but it's definitely one of those things where we're, we're, we're almost ready to release it upon everyone. And it's going to be really exciting when it does. Uh, We should, we'll have it in, in paperback form. It's about, it's going to be around 140, 150 pages or so. That's about 35,000 words in the end. Mm -hmm. It was just pretty great. Very accessible, extremely well-referenced. It'll have a really nice online component to it where uh, we're going to have opportunities for people to continue the conversation Ooh. through asking additional questions. And depending on the response, who knows, there might be a volume two coming out at some point or another. We're just going to have to see how it goes, but we're very excited to uh, to bring it forward, to put it in the hands of people and then see where they take it. It's yeah. going to be great. It's awesome. Well, that's just one of the many things that you guys are doing. I'm going to go ahead and... and not keep you any longer because we're probably going, <laughs> we're going longer than I said already. But you know, this is typical of the Godarchy podcast. It's a thirty-minute podcast that's never been thirty minutes. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> I I respect that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, before I let you go, I do want to give you an opportunity just to let people know where they can find the important things that you want them to find. Oh sure. So you can definitely want to be you know subscribing to our our mailing list, and you can uh, do that at www.libertarianchristians. Dot com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at, uh, I mean, I think it's just facebook.com slash libertarian Christians, where mm-hmm. our Facebook page is more of the meme type. We post a lot of curated material and memes and fun stuff and start conversations that whip people into a frenzy sometimes. Yes. Pretty fun. <laughs> uh, and then we also have a Facebook discussion group, which is a, a very challenging thing to be a part of at times. Yes, but it is. But it's really important as well. And so if you just search for Christian Libertarians uh, on on Facebook, you'll find the Facebook group. It's got about 10,000 people in it yeah. with varying levels of involvement and varying levels of understanding. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a it's great def- place for conversations. Sometimes yeah, it gets it really, kind of heated, but, you know, it's oh, all right. Oh, it does. It <laughs> does. But, you know, it's it's a, we're always looking, of course, for great people to get involved there and, and continue those conversations. Uh, and then, of course, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can search for my name, Norman Horn, uh, or you can search for uh, LCI. 
LCI official or Libertarian Christian Institute on on Twitter. So we're on most social media platforms on some level. So take your pick, whatever's your favorite, you'll probably find us there. But most importantly, just be in, get involved by getting uh, by being subscribed to our email list where we post about you know two two to three articles and podcasts mm-hmm. per week. Uh, which involves some of the most advanced material you will possibly find. And we get accused often of being too scholarly at times. Doggone it, those scholars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just too too smart for everybody, apparently. No, not really. But, you know, this so. it's so much, there's so much to, to learn, so much to do. And uh, and then we are very responsive to your to email requests as well. If yeah. you contact us via LCI's uh, main website, uh, you will get a response. It may take a little bit sometimes, but we read every message and we respond to as as many and as fast as we can. Uh, so we definitely encourage you to get involved there. Uh, you know, again, we're we're a nonprofit. Uh, we survive based on uh, donations of people like you, and uh, and so we invite you to become part of that. Uh, whether that is through you know just you know, when you want to buy a T-shirt, great. You want to donate to to our general to our general funds, great. You want to spread the word through the book that's coming up, cool. We're gonna have bulk oper- opportunities for you to buy bulk copies at a discount, so you can just give them away for you know, like Christmas presents there or whatever you, you want. Uh, it's gonna be fantastic. But you know, we definitely ask you to get involved. Uh, to to you know, if you if you're if you're open to it, then to donate to become a monthly donor. Uh, we're gonna we we keep uh, spreading our you know, spreading our wings and trying to, to get out into as many places as we can to try and do more and more uh, accessible things that will help Christians out there who are libertarians to to go to their churches, to teach other people, to spread the word in a good way, and to build up the church for Jesus. That's really the goal here. Love it. Well, you guys are doing great work, and, and I'm I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I I'm glad to know you. I'm glad that you are part of my uh, my early evolution. You know, shocking me with this this crazy anti-war stuff. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh hey, we should we should mention one other thing too. Yeah, we we do have a new YouTube show, and it, we call it Good News Bad News. It's a it's a roundtable show where we talk about kind of more current events and whatnot. And and there's this guy I hear he was a guest a, a couple weeks ago. I think his name was Mike Meharry. He was awful. Oh my it gosh! Was, <laughs> no, it was, that's like, dude, that was such a great episode. I, I'm so glad you guys kicked me off so you could be on it. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. So guys, go to YouTube and look up for good news and bad news. Yeah. I'll, I'll link to all this stuff on the show notes page so people have easy access if you're, if you're listening, to, listening to the show. And uh, Norman, I do appreciate everything you're doing and, and appreciate you. And appreciate you taking a little time out of a Monday as we're recording oh. this to, to hang out for a little bit. So. My distinct pleasure and honor, Mike. You've been a great friend to us and, and so appreciate what you do with Godarchy. And we're, you know, we're wishing you all the best and praying for your success as well. Well, thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to rate us on Apple Podcasts to help expand our audience. If you want to reach out to us, email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. You can also reach us at LCI Official on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook and have an active group you are welcome to join. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Libertarian Christian Podcast is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, a registered 501c3 nonprofit. If you'd like to find out more about LCI, visit us on the web at libertarianchristians.com. The voiceovers are by Matt Bellis and Catherine Williams. As of episode 115, our audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.
Hey, podcast listeners. Since you like listening to audio content, we wanted to let you know about a new audiobook titled Called to Freedom, Why You Can Be Christian and Libertarian. It's read by me, Jacqueline Isaacs, one of the contributing authors of the book, and every download helps to support the Libertarian Christian Institute. To learn more and to download the audiobook today, go to calltofreedombook.com.